goal of 150. We'd like to get it up here during the show. You really want me plugging this all day tomorrow? How about Neil Kulong who tweets, Why is there a GoFundMe account set up to get a guest on Adam's show? Well, A, you don't understand the show. Not get it. And B, it's to get the guest, but half the money is going to go to Children's Hospital. We're not only benefiting ourselves here, you crazy loon. I'm pretty sure that guy's annoying at parties. We'll go to Steven in Phoenix next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Steven. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good enough. How are you? Oh, it's pretty good out here. It's 55 degrees out uh, pretty much all year round except for the summer when we're in the oven. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Sorry, it's on your mind, man. So basically I wanted to tell you I don't feel so bad about myself anymore because I thought that I stopped believing in Santa really late. was about 9 or 10. But 13, I mean, holy cow, man. That's that's crazy. Uh, I don't I don't know how you how you're still a functioning adult at this point after being so late. <laughs> See, that's what but, I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 hey, but that's okay though. We, we it, I kind of envy him though because he I remember before I found out and it, it's kind of embarrassing my younger sister was the one who told me, believe it or not, but I it was such a good dream until it all came crashing down, but uh, I got to say, though, maybe I don't believe in Santa, but there's still miracles. So I, I think Oh, all right, Stephen. I like that. He's I like going that. Miracle. He's yeah. going like a great Christmas movie yeah, type stuff. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> okay, hey, so. I, I listen every day out here in Phoenix. I uh, just want to let you guys know. I don't know if you got anybody this far west listening to you guys, but I, I was born in Oakland, PA, but I've lived out here most of my life. Uh Steelers fan my whole life, Penguins Pirates. You know, I love I love listening to you guys. You guys make me laugh and keep me up to date with sports. So Thanks, I appreciate man. what you guys do. I do I do think that you put those in the appropriate order too. Laughter first, sports second. That might be officially our furthest western listener right there. Phoenix, Arizona. Not yeah. bad. Appreciate the game, man. Love that. Thanks for calling in. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four if you've got Santa stories. Tim Benz now joins us, the official vampire of the Crowley Show. Tim, when did you stop believing in Santa? Uh, the middle of my interview with Jerry Dulac on SNR the other day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I brought that up to him today at 4.45, and he kind of doubled down, Tim. I'm not going to lie. He said it was apples to oranges, and I don't agree with him at all. All you were saying was they need to change the procedure and he wouldn't have it, man. I think there is there some built-up angst between the two of you guys. Like, did you sleep with the same woman? What's going on here? Uh, I never really figured out why that was such a hot-button issue with Jerry. As far as hot takes goes, that's about as mild as you get. Uh, if anything, it was slightly pro-Steelers, was it not? I mean, I was basically saying that what Tomlin was suggesting is something that needs to be fixed. That sort of sounds like the company line for SNR, doesn't it? Whoa, we don't do company line on SNR, Tim. There's no way. <laughs> oh, no, that would never happen. Um, no, I, I don't know why that set him off so much. It seems like a pretty mild, tangential thought with the 8 million other things that went on in that football game. So maybe there is some pent-up rage. And where it comes from, I don't know. But uh, that whole line of conversation to me was just kind of 
like a, a finishing thought. It was just one other thing that I thought of after, you know, Tomlin said what he said. And I don't know, maybe Jerry's had somebody bring it up to him in a chatter on Twitter and uh, he thought it was a dumb idea then and got into a Twitter beef or a chat beef with someone and I took the side of that guy without knowing it. I don't know. I can't tell you why it was such a hot button. Is it possible he hates you? Entirely. Is it likely even? Uh, I would say 60-40. Maybe 75-25 okay. at this point. When you guys put the microphones down, because we played this on the show yesterday, <laughs> when you guys put the microphones down rather audibly, did you guys talk during the break? Like, what went on? I'm very fascinated by the dynamics of this. Well, uh, let's start with the dynamic of Tom, uh, who is our on-site producer, uh, looking at his phone like millennials do when mommy and daddy fight and they feel awkwardly uncomfortable to be in the same room. <laughs> that was the highlight for me personally. And then... <laughs> Well, I put my headset down. He kept his on. And, like, as soon as we went to break, I said to him, like, why is that such a big deal? Or why, why do you not see where I'm coming from on that? And he didn't say anything. I didn't think he heard me because he kept his headset on. And then during the break, at one point or another, we just started talking about something else. Like, we started talking about, like, doing the show on Friday or what, our, what we were going to play on Friday. So it was just advancing the page, I guess. I don't know. I don't think that that's good. I mean, if I have a fight with my wife and she wants to table it, if she wants to drop it, and I think Jerry at one point in the segment said, let's move on, or actually, let me get this right, let's move on there, Tim. I think that if you do that in a fight with your spouse, things are only going to come back up to bite you on the ass later, and I'm afraid this is going to happen again, Tim. And actually, I look forward to it, but I don't know about, I don't know about you, I don't know about Jerry. Well, you're trying to make things better or worse. It sounds to me like you're trying to make things worse because this is like reverse psychology or something. You think it's better for your show. Worse would have been having you guys on at the same time today, but better for me. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I think you're trying to plant the seed. I really think the best thing to do is just bury it and leave it alone. But you want me to open some scab or something like that so we fight again to have more audio to kill more time somewhere down the road, right? Especially during the holiday season and all. No, we don't try to kill we don't try to kill time with any kind of audio during the holiday season. By the way, coming up at six twenty, we'll be playing an interview back that we did yesterday with Seth Shostick, who's from the SETI Institute talking about aliens. Tim Bench. Oh yeah, is that the UFO guy? Dude, he was great. I didn't hear him, I heard the first guy. Did you like the first guy? Well, I only heard the end of it. I wanted to hear more of it, so I was kind of hoping you play that guy back. You know who I tried to talk to about this is Josh Dobbs. That's a great person to talk to about this. He's the aerospace engineer. Yeah, but he didn't know anything about it. He said that all he had all he had heard was something about uh, an asteroid. Like they weren't sure if an asteroid was a UFO or an asteroid, which sounds like a really big UFO. I mean, that sounds like you know Independence Day style UFO. You know what I'm saying? I read that one, Tim, and our SETI guy that's going to come up here in a minute, he actually found, he's the guy who found that. No kidding, that's the same guy that Josh yep. Dobbs is talking same, about. Yep, same, same guy. guy. Same guy Josh Dobbs is talking about. It's this giant phallic-shaped, like, Delaware-sized asteroid that they think might have things living inside. I'm happy Dobbs knew about it, though. Let's be real. Tim, what would I have to say to get you as angry as Jerry was yesterday? Oh, something about invalidating Syracuse's 2003 national championship with Carmelo. That would probably do it. Something to that effect. I'm pretty sure Beheim paid him. 
Oh, I, I know he did. I just don't know what currency it was in that we haven't been able to trace yet. But I mean, I'm not going to ask any questions until, you know, Bayheim retires. Tim Benz joins us from the Trib, also Steelers Nation Radio and the Steelers Radio Network. Tim, you never answered my first question, man. When did you find out about Santa? When did you stop believing? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. Uh, obviously, obviously, I still believe. Um, now, uh, now, I don't know if you heard the new thing. For, for those who are skeptical, for whatever reason, for those who are dubious, for reasons I can't comprehend, uh, you are supposed to infer that uh, Santa is alive in all of us. That's the new thing, that Santa is alive. Santa is in all of us, so to speak. That's, that's the... Uh, that's the way to explain it these days. You'll That's notice some snowflake crap potential. right there. Well, wait a second, Tim. In 2017, if somebody is in or around us against our will, we should all probably say something about that, yes? Yes. Hashtag me too. Hashtag ho, ho, ho. Those are conflicting hashtags. Tim Benz joining us from the trip here on the Crowley Show. Joe, if you've got the audio today from the Levitard Show, I'd like to play that back for Tim because we had Stu Gotts from the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts on, and he said how much he loved being on the program, and I think he lied, and I think this kind of backed me up on that. Stu Gotts is tired of, like, talking to the Pittsburgh affiliate. All his dreams are coming true, and Stu Gotts is driving Jeez. home at 2.30. He's like, another one of these. Like, be careful what you wish for, man. It isn't my mistake. I called him Friday, did the Pittsburgh affiliate, and I told him that the Steelers lose the game because I predicted them to win by 10. I said, if they lose the game, you can have me back on on Monday, and everyone can get mad at me and not get mad at you. And I forgot I said that. And so Monday I was driving home, and lo and behold, my phone rang. I'm telling you, man. These affiliate hits. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing thousands of them. Are you done with it? Are you done with it? Are you finished with the affiliate hits? <laughs> I think I got one today. <laughs> I Mike, can you help me out with this, please? Stugatz, it's all his dreams are coming true, and Stugatz doesn't want any of it. He's complaining about having to do Mike and well, I want the money. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I want the right. <laughs> Love you, 970 ESPN. <laughs> it's Adam Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoyed me, you know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot on the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be paid. Freebies are over. So here's what we're doing, Tim. We're getting together a GoFundMe account. The $500 is the goal. We got 150 thus far. Half the proceeds or the donations are going to go to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. What do you think about that? Where did the other half go? You or Stu Gotts? Well, it's going to go to me, and then I will pay Stu Gotts to get him back on the program. At what percentage? At what yield? I don't know quite yet what his rate is. But let's pretend like we wind up with the 250 that we're going for here that's not being donated to Children's Hospital. I feel like that should be worth at least, you know, five segments. If we're talking about 25 a pop, maybe 50 a pop, it shouldn't be more expensive than that. I mean, he did really sound burdened by the whole process, did he not? Yeah, he did. He did. But yeah, I he mean, be- he made it sound like it was real heavy lifting. I mean, look at me right now. I'm, I'm cooking. I'm writing. I'm doing three things at the same time as I'm talking to you, and I think I can do all three pretty efficiently. It doesn't sound like it's all that big of a deal. You know what? We should give the money to Ben's. We should have a GoFundMe for Ben. We should have a GoFundMe for Ben. We need to set one up for him. I was going to ask you, Tim, if, if you were going to donate to the cause, but it sounds like that's not happening. Well, no, no. When I say cooking, I don't mean professionally. I'm just doing it around the house. I'm like oh, so, making dinner here. Let's not. Well, no, I knew that. I mean, you're not you're not Heisenberg. You're not cooking meth or anything. 
Uh, not that you know of. That's none of your business. That's a good point by you. Tim, will you donate to our cause? Uh, yeah, how can I help? How can I help the children of Children's Hospital, Adam, in this Do God's Fund? At underscore Adam Crowley on Twitter. And I've got the link right there. So I should just, like, give you my bank routing number on Twitter. I imagine that'll go over well. No, Tim, you just go to GoFundMe and put it in, put in your information, uh, okay. donate whatever you want, man. Yeah, they don't, right. I don't get the routing number. They do. Okay, well, yeah, that's and that's really safe, too. Uh, but, yeah. okay, yes, I will donate. I will donate to the Stu God's Fund. I got to keep getting people on the air and asking them. If, they... if, here, hold on. There's a caveat here. Okay. If Dulac matches me. Oh! I love it! We're going to call Dulac back after we talk to the SETI guy. We're going to see if he'll match you. Uh, I only assume, last thing here for you, Tim, that whatever you're cooking has zero garlic in it. Yeah, I'm not, you know what? As a vampire, I can't have garlic. It's an allergy, as you well know. But even if I wasn't a vampire, not a big garlic fan. You know, even though it tastes good at the time, then you taste it for the next three days. So I, I, I don't like garlic. I'm not a big I, fan. I always like the residual. Tim, appreciate the time, man, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. I'll be talking to you, I'm sure, at some point before then. But uh, to your undead self and your family, Merry Christmas. All right, after the Texans game, you, me, Dulac, Eggnog, we're there. I'm in. I'll have to be the moderator, but I can handle it. Thanks again, man. All right. Tim Benz, Trip Live. That guy gets the show. Big time. Big time. Up next... Seth Shostick from the SETI Institute talking about aliens. Then we're going to try to get Dulac for the end of the show. It is the Growly Show. This show deserves an FM stick. And be real about it. We're better than everyone. We have more fun than anyone. We're more entertaining yep. than anyone. If you want hard sports news, I can't help you there. But we have more fun and we're more entertaining than anyone in this yep. market. And I ain't afraid to say it. We're different. Everything is the same everywhere. I'm so tired of everything being the same. Come on. Let's do things differently. Let's have some fun. That's what we're doing. And it deserves to be recognized. Mikey and Big Bob, when they started out, people probably thought they were weird. They looked like the human number 10. Like, of course that's freaking weird. What they do is weird, but it works. We're weird. We work. And Mikey today tweeted me and said he was happy to hear me on the Levitard Show with Stugatz. Man, weird deserves to be recognized. And Merry Christmas to everyone I work with, but I'm better than everyone. Let's get it going. 412-922-2874 is the number if you agree. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley if you agree. Seth Shostick, I think is his name, he joins the show here talking about aliens. He's from the SETI Institute. Seth, is Shostick how you pronounce your last name? Shostick, Shostick, what do you got there? Well, it's close to that. I mean, it's Shostak, but who cares? I like you already. So, Seth, what do you do? Tell us a little bit about your operation out there, because I've been reading up on it, and you guys are fascinating. Well, I hope so. Well, we're interested in the question of life in space, safe, safe. and, uh, you know, we have a lot of people worrying about life that might be close, like 
Well, for example, under some of the moods of Jupiter, since you were just talking about that, there may be some life there, but you'd need a microscope to see it. But the project that I'm involved with, which is called SETI, S-E-T-I, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, is trying to do what Jodie Foster did in the movie Contact and try and find some life that's at least as clever as the uh, inhabitants of Connellsville. Oh, boy. And how have, how have those, how has that gone? Well, well, we haven't found them so far. I mean, if we had, you would know about that, of course. Uh, there would hardly be a bigger story for a while. So, uh, but we figured they're out there. There are a trillion planets. That's with a T. Trillion planets in our galaxy, and it's hard to believe they're all sterile. Seth Bryan here. So, look, you guys come here, and you're, you're trying to prove, well, you're trying to disprove or prove the existence of alien life through radio telescopes. Is that a correct assessment, I guess? Well, that's pretty, cool. uh, that's pretty correct. We, there's no way to disprove it, actually. I mean, you know, right. if you look out there and you don't see anything, it doesn't mean there's nothing out there. It right. just means you didn't see anything. Uh, so if we don't pick up radio signals coming from somebody else's star system, it doesn't prove that uh, the Klingons aren't there. This means maybe we were on the wrong frequency or, you know, there are many other things that we could have been doing wrong. But if we do pick up something, well, that's a little different because that tells you, you know what, you may think that uh, the Earth is great, you may think that Homo sapiens are great, you may think that the Steelers are great. But in the end, you know, this shows that, gosh darn it, we're not the only kids on the block. Seth, what's your background like? What got you interested in, what got you to this point? Well, I have a background in physics and astronomy, and I, I used to study uh, galaxies using big radio telescopes, actually. Radio telescopes are, you know, they, they look like big antennas, and basically that's what they are. So that's what I did for uh, a lot of my career. And uh, then, you know, it turns out that <laughs> if you're trying to find ET, if that's going to be your day job, then these big antennas are the kind of tools you're going to need. Man, that's a heck of a day job, Seth. It really is. I'm kind of jealous. See, I took the short route out, the uneducated route. I got into radio. Adam, too, as well. You yeah. know, We're just not smart enough to do the kind of things you are. That's why we have people like you on. Uh, but, but with this, you know, the reason we had you on was because of this recent news going on uh, with the FA-18 that caught footage of a, of a UFO and the idea of a secret space uh, program that may be searching for life. Um, is this something that you guys have come across from? Because you are the preeminent people for doing this. You guys are the guys that are out there in the public with the radio telescopes. Have have you crossed paths with this uh, program in any way? Well, certainly with the UFO community, if I can call them that. I mean, one-third of the population, one-third of the public believes that the aliens might not only be out there where we're looking, but they might be here, you know, buzzing the skies, and their saucers are occasionally hauling people out of their bedrooms for experiments. Now, that would be extraordinarily interesting, you got to say, but uh, I, I don't think the evidence for that is very good. But the story that uh, appeared in the New York Times and also, I think, Politico this last weekend was that, gosh darn it, there was a secret program at the Pentagon to investigate UFOs, and it ran from 2007 to 2012. Uh, and they spent $22 million of uh, somebody's tax money, probably ours, uh, to do that. And now, that's pretty interesting for people who've been claiming all along that the government knows about the presence of aliens here and is covering up the news. Seth, when you see the video from 2004 of these fighter jets that see what they believe is to be a UFO, if they were a UFO in the sense that they came from a foreign world, uh, not here on this planet, would you guys have 
pick that up on the way down? No, we would not have. Remember, we're using big antennas. They're like telescopes. They're like looking at the sky through a, a good pair of binoculars, for example. You know, you might see you might see the moon through it. You might see some stars over here. But you might never notice an airplane off to the side, right, because your field of view is so small. So we never would have seen them. But here's the deal on, on those uh, videos. I mean, you know, I hear every day I get a phone call at least one from somebody out there who's having difficulties with aliens in their personal lives, that they've seen something in the sky that uh, apparently strikes them as being extraterrestrial. But, you know, that evidence isn't really very good. I mean, if you go down to the, the, the local university and say, you know, how many of you guys are studying this phenomenon? I bet the answer is going to be zero. And the reason that they're not studying it is not because it wouldn't be interesting. It would be extraordinarily interesting. It's just that that evidence is very poor. Somebody sees something in the sky they don't understand. Well, okay, they didn't understand it, but that doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial. Do you feel, and it sounds like you don't, that what they saw and what was caught on video is something that's extraterrestrial? No, I doubt it. I mean, there's God so many damn it, possible Seth. explanations. I'm, I'm sorry to say that. I know it's a disappointment to you guys, but, you know, it, it could have been a drone. There's a whole laundry list of things that look to pilots, and after all, pilots are not trained to recognize extraterrestrial craft. I mean, really, nobody is. Uh, but, you know, they don't, I mean, that, that, that doesn't convince me. If some of the thousands of satellites that are looking at the Earth every day, the satellites that made the Google Earth maps you've got on your computer, the, the, the satellites that, you know, monitor the weather or the monitor, you know, tanks in the Middle East or whatever, if they were seeing these things, then I'd say, okay, well, that's a little better evidence. But that doesn't happen. What's the closest that you've come to finding one of these things? And that's not to say that you have you think that you've found an, an alien or that you think that you've found a UFO, but was there ever a time where in a moment you thought maybe this could be it? Yeah, there was. Uh, we, you know, we pick up signals all the time, I've got to tell you. It's, it's a little unlike in the movies where people are sitting around looking bored and suddenly there's a big signal and everybody gets excited. We get signals every couple of seconds because, you know, there are all these transmitters on Earth. There are probably some even in Pittsburgh. There are transmitters in the sky, all these, uh, you know, uh, satellites, and so we're sending data back down to Earth. So we pick up signals all the time. But we can quickly, you know, decide that those aren't what we're looking for. In 1997, I think it was August, but we picked up a signal that looked like it was the real deal. And I kept waiting for the president to call. No, he didn't call. I kept waiting for my mom to call. She didn't call. But you know who did call? The New York Times. They learned about it within hours, and they were already on the story. It turned out to be a false alarm. It wasn't ET. It was a, uh, it was a solar research satellite launched by the Europeans. Did you have something, Brian? Oh, yeah, I did, actually. So, Seth, you guys are like, the way your telescopes work, you're looking into deep space, correct? Yes. Okay, so how far out do your telescopes go? Well, there's really no limit. I mean, it can know, go as far as possible. Yeah, I mean, you can go to the other side of the galaxy. It could be even, you know, the next galaxy over, really, although it's, it's a little unclear why anybody would build a transmitter that would send a signal that would take, you know, millions of years to get here. But but it could be just, you know, from a nearby star system or a faraway star system. If they have the budget to build a honking transmitter, then we could pick them up at really any distance. Now, Seth, i got to ask this question just because – the possibility of are alien or are, are alien is alien life something we should be hiding from maybe not looking for is that something that comes into you know your daily 
thoughts about this whole thing? I mean, because there's always the question that if we did find one, could be a hostile race. And they want our yeah, resources. They, you know, they want to come down and take our brains, that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, they might, but who knows? Maybe they can go for the, I don't know, the parrot's brains or something. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but, but remember, what we're doing here is listening. We're just listening. So it's a passive experiment. And if we pick up a signal, of course the aliens don't know that we picked up their signal, just like you guys don't know that Bob over there on the freeway has been listening to your show. You don't, you know, accost that guy and go threaten him. Because oh, I know Bob, and he's a jackass. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, listening, you don't betray anything. Now, if you pick up a signal and then you transmit back, hey, we're the Earthlings, love to get in touch, let's have a talk. Uh, you know, that might be dangerous. Stephen Hawking said, well, you don't know what's out there, so maybe you shouldn't tell them that we're here. You know, uh, that sounds good, but I don't think it's very valid because, frankly, we've been sending signals into space since the Second World War, TV, FM, radio, radar, mostly radar. And so if there are any hostile aliens out there and they have the technology to threaten us, they also have the technology to eavesdrop on our signals already. If you had to bet your house in your life and everything that you care about on whether or not there is the existence of aliens out there, what would you would you do it? Would you put everything on the line? Yep, I would do it. I, you know, I'd have to ask my wife, but you know, she probably wouldn't object. So <laughs> I, I I put it on the line because so it's just a numbers game, guys. You know, there, as I mentioned earlier, there are about a trillion planets in our galaxy. Our galaxy is one of two trillion galaxies we can see. All right, so multiply two trillion by a trillion planets each. That number is like, you know, the number of grains of sand on all the beaches of the Earth. It's hard to believe that this grain of sand is really special, and there aren't any other grains of sand with something interesting on them. I mean, that that would make us so, so special that I have to be suspect, so I would make that bet. Would you be pissed if you died before aliens were discovered? I mean, that would, that, that would seem like it would be really frustrating, because for me... I, I want to see contact be made, but this is your livelihood. I would imagine that this is something, I don't know how old you are, Seth, but I'm guessing you're thinking, like, let's, let's hurry up here. Come on. Yeah, well, I, it, it would be a bit of a disappointment. I think Carl Sagan said something about that, actually, in the last six months of his life. One thing he regretted was that, you know, he hadn't heard any uh, signals from space. But on the other hand, to say that I would be pissed if I died without hearing them, I think after you die, you are seldom pissed. That's just my take on it. But. That's a good point by you, Seth. Uh, last couple of things for uh, Seth Shostak, uh, SETI Institute. Uh, Seth, this is a little taboo, I suppose. We had uh, uh, Blumenthal yesterday on with us, uh, Ralph, the guy who wrote the story for the New York Times, or at least was a contributor in it, and he said that a lot of the people he talked to, there was this stigma where they didn't want to talk because they didn't want to be looked at as if they're uh, weird or different. And do you get that every day? Is that something that happens to you guys? Uh, well, it may happen to me personally, but that's perhaps for other reasons. <laughs> no. Actually, it's not the case. Now, to begin with, we're not looking for aliens you know, sailing across the skies. We're looking for somebody who may be at home in a different star system, tens, hundreds, even a thousand light years away. That's a completely different enterprise, really. Uh, if you're looking for UFOs, I can imagine that some people would say, oh, well, uh, I, I saw something, but I wanted to tell you about it. 
And that's because most of these stories are, you know, they saw light in the sky, and that's pretty easily discounted. I mean, clearly that's the case. But there's sort of a giggle factor with that. There's, there's somewhat of a giggle factor even for, say, oh, you guys, looking for little green men. But on the other hand, you know, there might have been a giggle, giggle factor for uh, the explorers of the 16th century. Oh, you, you're going to go try and find, you know, whether there's a continent at the bottom of the world. I mean, don't you have better things to do? You know, that kind of argument, uh, that's, that's a pretty shallow argument. So exploration is always worth it in my mind. Is part of it because this would be the greatest discovery in human history and you want to be part of that? Well, I don't know. That sounds a little self-centered, and so I wouldn't discount it as a possibility. But uh, on the other hand, it is true that there is something special about this time because what are we doing in this century? I mean, we're going to get some people living on uh, other bodies in the solar system by the end of the century. We're inventing our successors. I mean, we're building computers that are going to take everybody's job. But, you know, they're going to outthink us. And I think that we're going to find that, the, you know, the biology of Earth, as interesting as it is, is only one example of biology that happens to be as common as fire hydrants. Does it have to be that way? I feel like that's what we're always looking for, is a planet that could sustain life similar to Earth. But isn't it possible that however they sustain life, it doesn't have to be the way that we sustain life? Well, it could be. I mean, uh it, it, it's possible. I, I would bet that they don't have DNA, for example, but they probably have some other molecule that does the same job. Remember, the physics and the chemistry of, you know, Earth is exactly the same as the physics and chemistry of, you know, a gazillion other places. The whole universe is built on the same physics and the same, you know, 92 naturally occurring elements and all that. All that stuff that you learned in high school, that stuff would be good if you moved to the Andromeda galaxy. The one thing that would not be good is the biology because that's specific to Earth. So, you know, you could say, well, maybe the aliens are not carbon-based. Maybe they're molybdenum-based or something else. That's Silicon what I thought, based. yeah. Yeah, yeah well, well, but there are good reasons that the chemists could give you that that's not too likely because carbon is absolutely the best element around for hooking up to make, you know, very complex molecules, and that's what life is all about. I'm sure you guys wake up every morning and think, man, another day of complex chemistry, and that's what it is. It's like you're reading my mindset. Every uh, day, Seth. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, appreciate the time, man. Really, really good stuff. Wish we could talk to you for the whole hour. Uh, thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Thanks. And I really... Uh, can you find something soon before I die, okay? And let us know before you tell anyone <laughs> yeah, else. tell us first. All right. Be careful how you cross the street. I always look both ways. There he goes. Seth Shostak, SETI Institute. Aliens! He's skeptical. They think they'd have found him first. Maybe he's right. So people are skeptical about my GoFundMe. I'll attack them next. And on the topic of does Crowley kind of look like an ugly Leonardo DiCaprio, we've got a new breakthrough there, too. It's a Crowley show. Thanks, Papa. Poor jackass right now is on 376 going, get out of my lane, truck! Baloo tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Can you guys have this Seth guy on every day? We'll support the GoFundMe for that before Stugatz. Oh. You know who supported the GoFundMe account? Our right-hand man, Mr. Tom Offerman. There you go, Tom. Yeah, thank, thank you, Tom. Thank, thank you, Tom. Tom. Uh, earlier in the show, I thank David Todd. Uh, former host of the Afternoon Drive show. Good dude. I thanked him for contributing to our donation 
but you're not allowed to contribute anonymously. So Tom changed his name to David Todd when he contributed. And sat there quiet the entire time as you did it and was enjoying his own little personal joke. And that's what this show has become, right? We got a lot of inside jokes, but we also have external jokes. And Tom, to himself, is laughing in his soul. And I'm saying, thanks to David. Like, it was a really nice thing to do. And Tom just sitting there, nodding along. I didn't pick up on it. And then the last break, I was like, man, I can't believe David donated. That's really nice. And Brian looks over at Tom, and he starts laughing. And he looks at me, and I go, what's up, man? He goes, dude, it was Tom. <laughs> Tom's the one who donated. Thanks, Papa. Papa John, you know, John Schnatter, and this is the USA Today headline, says, who overcame the odds to build his home delivery pizza chain into a national powerhouse against entrenched rivals is stepping down. Really convoluted lead for the USA Today. Uh, it'd be better if they still had John Parado there. They should probably hire him back. Way to go, convoluted lead writer for the USA Today. Zaitai Meyer. I mean, come on. A little less wordy next time. He's stepping down. He will remain as chairman of the board. No immediate reason was given for his decision, which takes effect on the new year. Hell yes, he's being replaced by CEO President Steve Ritchie. This Thanks, all Papa. coming down since he was critical of people not buying pizzas, and he put it upon the people who are sympathetic to the kneelers cause in the national football league and apparently a couple of white supremacists were ordering a lot of white pizza that's a terrible joke oh, no. thanks that's, papa that's a terrible oh, joke no. Oh, no. and the company's like bro step down how about that Chalk that one up in the win column for shows like us. It's funny. Like, he got he got hammered. Like, everything else kind of survived oh, through this entire thing. Papa John is the casualty. Better like, he's the casualty. Better pizza. Eat me. Suck on that, John Schnatter. See, you know what I love now? Is that when we're at Radio Row at the Super Bowl, I won't have to look at his slimy ass anymore and beg for him to come on the show. That's I what I love. I want him. I want to eviscerate him on the radio. That's what I want. I want John Schnatter to be there. Oh, he won't man. be, though. If you ever saw him at a radio row, man, he walked around like the biggest, weirdest dude on the planet. He's a whore. Like, basically, like he, Peyton Manning on a leash, like, walking around. You Thanks, know, it's Papa. the weirdest thing. He wants to treat your radio station as if he can use it to get his agenda out there. And, man, we would have had him on, and we would have made sure that the agenda was not one that he would make listenable on our radio show. Yeah, the only shocking thing to this is that he wasn't fired for his awful pizza. Rubber. Better ingredients, rubber. Better pizza, rubber. Papa John's. See a schnatter. Thanks, Papa. Now, I mean, he's incredibly rich, but now he's disgraced. I mean, are there any, fa are there any famous chairman of the boards? I don't think so. Don't look at me like I'm wrong. Famous CEOs, though? That's the thing. You know who's not the CEO anymore? That jackal. Thanks, Papa. How about that? Oh, the ratings are so bad because players are kneeling, and he speaks out on it. And you know what? Now he's getting removed because of that stance. I love the irony. I love it. I want to bathe in it. I would like a tub filled with Papa John's marinara sauce <laughs> so that I can just bathe in it and just bask in the glory. 
See, this is this a victory for the show. And it's a lesson to other CEOs out there. Keep your mouth shut. I mean, my Just God. shut up. I mean, he was clearly searching and grasping at straws, yes? Yep, absolutely. Well, you know, blow that straw, Papa. Schnatter. I think I called him Shatner before. That's all right. Either way, God's a jackass. He if is. you refer to yourself Thanks, as Papa, Papa and you're not Smurf, you can go to hell. Yeah, creepy individual. Remember back in the day whenever I was told by Stacy from the X that I looked vaguely like Leonardo DiCaprio? I do remember that day because all day long we heard about that. Yeah, well, I'm not quiet when somebody at least thinks I'm mildly attractive. And I went to a Trader Joe's the day after that. And there was a woman ringing me up, right? And she looks at me. And she goes... You kind of look like Leo. She goes, I'm a little speechless. Like, she was totally attracted to me. Like, full-on attracted to me. Last night, this is just adding credence to this conversation. I was at Bado's, who should probably advertise on the show, because I go there every Wednesday for Irish night. There's a little free plug for you, Bado's. And I'm sitting there, and the waitress comes over, and she goes, You look a lot like my friend. Like, really? She pulls up a picture. She's like, yeah, not so much. She pulls up another picture. And it looks way a lot like me. But what she said was, my friend all the time hears that he looks like Leo DiCaprio. Not making it up. My wife was there. She talked to Brian. Yeah, you actually put her on the phone with me. And your wife was really funny because the first thing I'm like, is this for real? Like, is he making this up? And she says, yes. Like, because your wife's funny. Like, she throws you right under the bus. But then she quickly backs up and says, no, no, this really, really happened. And it's funny because I get the, uh, well, let me see. Let me see if I can find this text here. I should have been ready. You should have been. But it was something to the effect of I get a text that's like around 930 at night. and It's like, never going to believe this. Somebody thinks I look like Leonardo DiCaprio. Then my phone rings. We're talking on the phone. I hear all the partying going on in the background. And, like, see, then you sent me a picture of the friend. You look exactly like this guy that the waitress was talking about. Like, exactly like. And this waitress is not off, except it's like Stoner Crowley. And yes. I'm going to put this up on the Facebook page, but it's Stoner Crowley, long blonde hair, hat backwards with the tank top on, which is so not Crowley. No. Um, but facially-wise, you like look inner exactly Crowley. like him. And then this guy looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a boot. So you, I mean, really, man, I think you got a Leo vibe going. I don't know what it is because I'm not attractive. Like, I'm a, I'm a regular-looking guy. Leo is, like, one of the top five hottest dudes ever, right? But I, uh, man, I think I'm this puts you into that category well, of sorts, I just, right? Well, I just think, I think I'm like Leo's ugly brother. Or Leo's I'm semi-not like, I'm like, attractive. I'm like Owen Wilson. I'm like Owen Wilson, basically. That's not a bad place to be. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will point out that Leo's West Virginia hat is a lot cleaner than yours. Dude, which is bizarre wow. because his was at the bottom of the ocean. Wow. That's water cleans, man. What do you okay. say we do this all again tomorrow at 4? I'm in. Tom, you in? I think you're in, Tom. I'm in. Joe, you in? I'm in. That's Joe's way of saying he's in. Yeah, that song says he's in. I'm going to walk a thousand miles to the Carson City Saloon. But I'll tell you this. This much I know for certain people. 100%. No freebies. I'm getting paid for it. By the way, thanks to everybody who donated. Oh, yeah. 
Do that again. Stu Gotts Fund. Do that again. Yep, thank you to all we of you. We did hit our goal of $150. Some jackass... That's 60 we should press. Some should jackass press. tweeted, nobody cares about your GoFundMe account. Well, here's the last thing I'm saying on the show today, Steel Wolf. You don't care about Children's Hospital? Go to hell.